hey, I want to start a brand new series uh, for this month of August, and uh, maybe some of you saw some of the advanced promo, uh, but we have entitled our series for these next couple of weeks, we've entitled it Wrecked, Wrecked, um, and I want to help us how to avoid making a mess out of your life. I don't know if that's ever happened, maybe for a day, a week, a month, a moment. Has anybody ever had a mess in your life at some point? You know, Bailey shared, and, and uh, he got started last week, and I think in his setup a little bit, um, he got a little uh, maybe upset at me or perturbed maybe last week, um, and, and he kind of just threw that out to everybody last week, because I told him, hey, I need you to speak on such a day, and he was like, great, what, what's the topic? And he went on and on like, well, he didn't give me a topic, he didn't give me a title, he didn't, so like he just had to kind of jump into it, right? And he, he kind of let everybody know about that. Well, I have the wonderful fortune Bailey talked last week about heart to heart, right? And that's a wonderful setup for what I wanted to share with you today and this week. So Bailey, thank you for that big setup, man. Thanks for, thank you for helping me make it happen for these next couple of weeks. Uh, so I want to ask you a question this morning that, that's going to really be the jump off point. And, and I hope that even before we leave today that we're going to have maybe just a moment for us to contemplate our life before God as well. That then I'm just going to open it up. I think there should be a response to the word today. So I want you to be engaged with me today, and I want you to be ready to respond as we finish today what I believe that God wants to speak into your life and into all of our hearts and for us as a church this morning. So here's the premise that I want to get started with over the next couple of weeks. So was there a time in your life that you were honestly closer to God than you are right now? Can you think about a moment, can you think about a time, can you think about maybe an extended period that you are closer to God than where maybe you are feeling in your life right now? Maybe there was a time in your past where you were much more passionate about the things of God than maybe you're feeling right now. Maybe you spent more time in God's word that you couldn't wait to get up in the mornings to get into the word and just and know that God was going to speak to you that you were primed and you were ready just to hear from the power and the presence of God maybe there was a time that you were way more excited on a Sunday morning you came a little bit early you wanted to find a, a front row seat or you wanted to be closer down front because you didn't want any distractions. You didn't want anything to, to help you lose focus because you knew that God was going to show up, that, that things were going to happen in your life, and you were ready. Maybe there was a time you would say, Pastor, I was, I was much more of a person of prayer. Maybe you could look back and realize that, that at one point you spent way more time in the presence of God praying than, than you did right now. But then somewhere along the journey, somewhere along what has been life, maybe that passion started to drift just a bit. Maybe the fire that we could look back to that maybe was a while ago or maybe even not so far ago has slowly started to fade away. You see, last week Bailey had you hold up your hand uh, if, if you were in certain, I'm not going to have you do that today. But I think maybe if a lot of us were honest in trying to decipher that question was there a time was there a season that was much stronger that my fire was 
was much brighter, that that passion was much stronger. My hunger for the things of God was much more in my life. I was wondering, how is it that I could present kind of this message today, maybe this series, knowing that there might be a lot of us today that could look back to say, yeah, there was a time, Pastor Jim. I don't know if I'm ready to raise my hand or not. I'm not sure if I'm willing to be that honest this morning, but I could look back at more experiences in my life where I was much hungrier for God. I was much more passionate. I was on the front line, the front row, and I recognize that sometimes today doing ministry that it's hard, not so much hard here at Real Life, but it's hard to lay it out to people this morning. We're, we're in a church culture today where a lot of times people just kind of want to be patted on the head, want to make you happy, want to make you feel good, want to just you know, encourage your mood a little bit more. Today, ministry is getting more difficult and more difficult. I read a survey that said now somewhere of around 1,700 pastors, ministers, are leaving the ministry every month. They're finding that the church culture has changed, that, that what church at one time was, it's really struggling to be that today. And so I thought, then I'm going to change up the script for this series. I'm going to do it a little bit differently than maybe how I've done it in the past. And so for these next couple of weeks, I want to give you some easy steps on how to lose your faith. Amen? I'm going to make it easy for you how to drift from God, how to ultimately wreck your life. Does that sound good? We'll just kind of turn everything on its head this morning. You see, the bad news is, is that it's really easy to drift from God. Yeah, I don't know that there is any of us that probably if we were dead on and say, yeah, Pastor, there, there certainly are some times I could look back to that maybe, maybe it's not as strong as it is right now. I do have some memories. I do have some experiences where, again, that fire and that drive was much more than it is right now. Maybe there has been a season for a lot of different reasons where I found myself Adrift. And I want you to know that one of the reasons that we might find ourselves in a drift is because we have outside help from someone who wants to wreck your life. The Bible calls him Satan, the devil. There is someone who is against you, someone who is against us. The Bible declares that we have a spiritual enemy. Somebody say yes with me today. Somebody that is not for you, but someone that is against you. The Bible calls him the great deceiver, the father of lies. His specialty is that his mission is out to steal and kill and to destroy. And so we recognize that if we are not going to be pushing forward, if we are not going to be passionate in our faith, we realize that we are at war, that there is an enemy that is coming against us, and one of his prime weapons against us is allowing us to buy into the lie that allows us just simply to drift in our spiritual journey. Think about it with me from the very beginning when we see the creation of Adam and Eve, that the devil came in the form of a serpent. And one of the first things that he brought to Adam and Eve is this idea, did God really say not to? He brought to you and I this option as if somehow that we get to have equal footing, equal standing with God, that it's a challenge not only to his authority, but to bring question that his word may or may not be true. You see, Satan wants to destroy your faith. 
Satan wants to keep you and I content in the idea that good is good enough. That where I am, it's not a big deal. It's not a big problem. And I want you to know that if we're going to land in that area, you are going to wreck your life, not only here in this life, but for all of eternity. Listen to Paul's words to the Corinthians. I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, that your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Listen, those words as they were true 2,000 years ago are just as true to you and I today. There is something for you and I to be in fear of, and that is if we are going to take our foot off the gas, if we are just going to feel like that good is good enough, that the drift will ultimately get us to the destination that we want to go, I want you to know that you and I are going to be sorely mistaken. To realize that you don't think that you have an enemy, that somebody's trying to keep you in the funk that you are in, that's exactly where he wants you to be. But I believe for this month of August, listen, we might be on vacay mode, we may look to take it easy, but we ain't going to do that here in real life this month. We're going to be challenging ourselves. Listen, I don't want to look back a year from now, three years from now, to say, man, those were memories of the time where things were were a raging fire in my spirit, where I was hungry for the things of God. Listen, now is the time. Today is the day. This is the hour for you and I to let the power of God's spirit come alive in our soul, to quicken us that there is more for the kingdom that God has in store for each and every one of us. You see, the key thought today comes from a parable that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 13. It's a word that I want to just use as kind of a jump start about how I want to share this message with you this morning. I'm sure that it's familiar to a lot of us, but Jesus, uh, in that time, uh, an agricultural society, this story. So for those of you that might be new, we call a parable Uh, an earthly story that that we can understand, has all of the bits and parts that we can understand in our everyday life, but there's a much, much bigger meaning. There's a heavenly, a spiritual meaning that is really the prime of what the story is all about. And so Jesus had a lot of those in that agricultural society, and he talked about a man that went out to sow seed into into the grounds. And he talked about that as the seed was going out, that it had the opportunity to fall onto at least four particular kinds of soil. Now, there was a large crowd, Jesus' disciples and others that were there, and he wanted to give them this truth of the gospel, that as the gospel was going out, as the seed was being cast, he helped them to realize that it was going to find itself in four separate locations. And this is what Matthew chapter 13 says. Jesus said, as the sower went out one day to throw the seed, some of the seed fell on the pathway. Those were the kind of the divine places around the the places of of growth, where the, the seed beds would go, that people would kind of continue to walk on the pathway, and as they did, that pathway became hardened. And so the seed just kind of bounced across the hard ground, and the birds came instantly and just picked up the seed and carried it away he said another seed fell on rocky ground and although it grew up quickly but because there was a bedrock underneath the roots could not go deep enough 
And so at some time, the sun came up and it scorched the little plant that was starting to grow and it had no chance to bear fruits. And then some of the seed fell along a place where there were thorns and there were weeds. And they choked the life out of the plants before it even had a chance to grow and flourish. But then there was a fourth part of the field. Some of that seed fell on good ground. That which had been worked and tilled up and ready for the seed to be placed in there. And when it fell on the good seed, it said that it produced a harvest some 30, 60, 100 fold of what was put into the grounds. Now some of you might say, Pastor, what, what are you trying to tell us? Well, Jesus, as he kind of set up the story and kind of got the precursor about what was about to come, then he simply, again, right following these words, tells the disciples and those who were here, let me tell you what I'm talking about. So he paints the picture, he tells the story, and now he brings uh, the heavenly truth. This is what I'm saying. You see, why is it important that I am telling you this in our series is because the soil in the story is our heart, and each one of us are in one of those scenarios today. As Jesus was telling the story, he said the the gospel, the word of God is the seed that is getting cast out. So I I want you to get the picture today as if I had a, a bag of seed with me. And the gospel, as I'm sharing with you, is just being, is just being released. And Jesus said that this seed is going to find its way onto four potential types of soil, our heart. It's going to find it on the pathway. It's going to find it in the rocky. It could find itself amongst the weeds and the thorns, or it could find itself in good fertile soils. And so Jesus begins to give explanation as to the types of soil and what that means for you and I. He said, first of all, there is a message as the seed is going out that it falls on the pathway. It falls on hardened grounds. What does that mean for you and I today is that as the gospel is going out, it might find itself on anyone who hears the message about the kingdom of God, about what the gospel is all about, but they're hardened to it. There could be a variety of reasons. Maybe they're just skeptical, they're cynical. Maybe they just kind of grew up with no understanding, or maybe they've purposely tried to refuse the the work of the gospel in their life. And the Bible says that as the seed is going out, as the gospel is going forward, that the birds just come and take the seed and take it away. I want to, let's just bring it real this morning. There may be those here today that your heart is just hardened towards the things of God. That, that maybe your mind is just not willing to be open to the gospel. And so as the seed is going out today, we realize that the enemy is just wanting to keep people confused, wanting to keep them in a, in, a, in a mindset that is apart from understanding what the power of the gospel can do in their life. And today, as God's word is going out and is being thrown today, there are people that might just be saying, I, I, don't, I don't get this. Like, this isn't for me. Or maybe you got brought to church, maybe even against your will, you thought, I don't know what this guy is doing up here today. I thought he was just going to read a poem, tell a joke, we'd kneel up and down a few times, right? And then we go out to lunch. It sounds like there's something different that's coming out 
today, that there's something more that, that the gospel is bringing. You see, the desire is, is that maybe there are some of you here today that just have no real desire for spiritual transformation. And it might be because you don't understand anything yet, or maybe, again, because of some things that you are propagating or things that have happened in your life, you're just still refusing to allow God to have an opportunity to come into the soil of your life. And unfortunately, unlike, not like today, but, but many other Sundays, there are people that are going to come in, but they are going to leave exactly how they came. It's tragic, but it's true. And then he said that there is a group who they received the seed, but it fell on the ground where under the surface. And a lot of people, when maybe you've read this story, it, it calls it the rocky ground. And, and we kind of have this idea that, that amongst that big field that there were kind of just these big chunky rocks everywhere, which again, not necessarily a wrong understanding or interpretation of that, but, but a truer meaning is that it wasn't necessarily a rock, a field just scattered with rocks as much as it was there was a, a bedrock, a, a ledge of rock under the ground. And so as the seed went out, it found some soil, it found a place to grow, but, but the roots could only go so far down, and then it met bedrock. It met a place where the root could not penetrate what was in the soil. Again, the soil being our hearts. And maybe there are some of you here today that have a huge rock ledge, maybe because of past hurts, a lack of trust, fear, shame, guilt, abuse, and you come into the house of God and the word and the worship and things start to, to move into your soul and your spirit and you start having feelings and understanding like, like you never had. You've been hardened, but, but somehow the message, the love, the, the, the words that you got coming in the door, the gospel, the family of God was starting to have an effect and it started to change some of the things in your life. But because of that bedrock, we realize that the, the seed is instantly wanting to grab hold but we realize how powerful hurts and lack of trust and abuse and guilt and shame can be. And although that, that something started to spurt, something started to grow, you found some passion for a moment. Like, wow, this is real. This is awesome. This is great. This is good. But then we realize we have to go back out into the real world. And some of those feelings that the enemy knows that are your trigger, the enemy who wants to keep you bound who wants to keep you in your hurts, starts whispering those lies into your spirit again. The Bible says that Jesus' story, that the sun came out. And although the seed got a little bit of chance to grow, that, that unfortunately because of this bedrock, that the root could only go so far. And we go back into the world and we feel that abuse, we feel that, that, that scourge against our life again, and the sun comes out and ends that little bit of growth that started in our life. And there might be some of you today that could look back to a moment where some of that got started, and maybe you question, why is this so hard? Or you might wonder in your spiritual journey, why am I here again? Why can't I shake this? Why can't I kind of get over the hurdle of some of the things that just keep me so limited? Why does the anger just not go away? Why does the, the misunderstanding of the gospel or things that I was 
experienced as a child seem to, when that moment is that when I want to jump, it just keeps me limited and just doesn't allow me the freedom that my spirit and that my soul so desperately, desperately wants. And then Jesus said there was a third that maybe represents the, the largest percentage of those of us here today. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 22, it says that some of the seed fell among thorns and weeds. See, we hear the word, we hear the gospel, and we know the truth of it is, but Jesus said it's the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth start to choke out our passion, our desire, and it causes us to be unfruitful. We just buy into the temporal versus the eternal. We just hunger for more of the things in this life. We, we may not purposely set out to do that, but when we begin to experience that, man, life is good, that we let that become the driving focus and factor of our life. Some of the spiritual passions, maybe when we were a little more left out, maybe when we didn't have too much, when all we had was God, when he was enough, when he was all we had. But now, man, life is different, Pastor Jim. Life is easy. Life is good. We begin to question Really, what's the driving factor of my life? You see, you want to jump in. You'd, you'd love to, to be able to sell out, but, but along the journey, life happens. You get to go to school. You get an education. You want to start a family, so you buy a house. And you buy a boat. And then you want to buy a bigger house. And now you have a bigger house. Now you have more kids, and now you have more friends. And now you have more friends, and now you want to get a bigger boat, now you need a bigger house, right? And not that there's anything necessarily wrong with any of those things, but now Sunday goes by, and another Sunday goes by, and another Sunday goes by. We say, hey, pastor, listen, it's just, just been a crazy busy summer. We'll be back. We'll be back in September. We'll be back when life gets a little calmed down. But man, we can remember maybe back in our history where it didn't matter what was on the outside, all I wanted was what God could do on my inside. There was a time I could look back where I was way more passionate, where the things of this life would grow strangely dim in the light and the power of his glory and his power. And we can honestly sit here and say, but Pastor Jim, I, listen, man, I was well-intentioned like that. That was not my intention, and I'm here to tell you, I get it. Listen, Jesus knew what he spoke about it 2,000 years ago. What's going to be this dilemma in our heart as the gospel is going out, as the word is being preached, and yet we're going to find ourselves with some either intentions or excuses week after week after week about what is going to drive the focus of my life. Where is my passion going to be built on? There are very attractive distractions that are going to choke the spiritual life right out of us. Listen, we might not plan on it happening, but it happens. And then he said there's a fourth kind of soil. As the gospel is going out, as our heart is being opened, it says that it fell on good soil. It's the man who hears the word and he understands it and he applies it and he focuses it on it. That becomes his passion. Then he recognizes, I still get to enjoy the wonders of this world, but my primary focus is to please God with everything that's in me. 
Listen, I can enjoy this uh, other experiences that I have in life, but my focus in the morning is to put God first. There's a lot of things that could occupy and fill my day, but this thing I do, and that is that I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the Bible says as that seed fell on the good soil, as the word of God began to produce the power of heaven inside of me, that now it was yielding a crop that was 30 times, 60 times, even 100 times more than it was sown. And you may say, Pastor, what's necessarily the point of that? What's the big deal of that? Here's what I want you to know, that most farmers would be ecstatic with maybe a 15% growth. Maybe if they, after all of their hard work, could get 20% or 25%. But the Bible says that when you and I put our hearts and our mind and our focus, when we allow the seed of the gospel to begin to germinate in our lives, when our purpose and our desire is to please the Lord, not my selfish flesh, when I realize that I'm in the midst of a spiritual warfare and I can't give up, I can't slow down because eternity is waiting in the brink that I recognize today that God says he'll take the little that I have to offer him, just one seed, and it will produce not 20%, not 25%, but some 30 and 60 and even 100% more. God can do exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever ask or hope or imagine. You see, God's not into addition. God's into multiplication. Somebody say amen today. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? In other words, God can do more spiritually in you than you could ever imagine. Some of you walk in today and maybe the gospel or maybe the work that God has for you, you might be somewhat clueless with that today. But if you allow the gospel to get into some good soil in your heart, if you will trust in him, if you'll believe, listen, this is not just some guy talking in Erie, Pennsylvania, but this is the power of the gospel of the living Savior, Jesus Christ. When it gets in you, you're not just going to get a small return. You're going to get a major, major impact and return in what the gospel can do in your life. You see, not only will you be changed, but through the work of the Spirit, it is going to be so profound in your life that those around you are going to see it. They're going to feel it. They're going to experience. They're going to see the wow factor of what God has been able to do in and through your life. Bailey shared his story just a little bit last week, and, and as he has an opportunity to share, we often talk about that. He he mentioned, whether it was just 10 years ago, that he was so lost, so away from God, that had no idea that, that his life was just filled with brokenness and letdown and parents that, that had no thought to be able to present who Jesus was to him or take him to church. And yet through what would we say, a, a chance connection with a, a student that invited him to real life as a, maybe a, a junior in high school, that the trajectory of his life has just changed so dramatically. That that gospel was able to get through all of the mess up, through all the weeds and the junk that he walked through the first 15 or 16 years of his life. You see, God just didn't add that to him. God multiplied that to him. I've called Paul out a few times in this last year, man. Just since last May that, that real life became a home for you. Man, the passion, I don't think that Paul and Colleen have missed a life group since we've had one. And it's not just attending a life group, but the, 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 the understanding, the spiritual work that God has been doing in his life. You just texted me a few weeks ago, right? 
You just said, Pastor, man, the scriptures have come alive for me. This is new stuff for me. I'm digging in every day. And I want you to know I'm praying for you every day that God would use you in a greater way at real life. I'm not sure if Austin is here today. He's another one of our young guys that just came to your real life through a connection with one of our young ladies. God bless the young ladies of real life, bringing in amazing young men. And Austin came to church maybe five months ago. He's like, man, I don't know what the deal is here. I don't know what this is all about. And to see the transformation, see what God did to save him and how he speaks and how his desire. He's going to be one of the, the helpers at next week's boys track camp. I mean, God transforms, God changes. That's the power of the gospel, church. You see, I want you to know because of the power of the seed, and God says the potential of allowing the Holy Spirit to come into our life, that you don't get just a minimal return. You don't get just what you put in. God says, I don't just add, I multiply. I take that seed and I want you to know that from some of these seeds that have been planted, some of the seeds that have been planted in you, if you will let it germinate into good soil, if you'll open up your heart, if you'll trust God that he can do better with you than against you, if you'll realize that there are some things that need to, to grow fadely dim in this life so that you can put more focus on the power of the gospel and what Christ has for you, that there will be generations, hear me church, there will be generations to come, generations who have not yet been born that will maybe be different because of the seed, because of the root of the gospel that is growing growing in you today. There's going to be tremendous growth. I thought about that seed of the gospel that got planted in Bailey. And today, then he meets Caitlin, another girl that has kind of a story that, again, just opened herself up to the power of God. And on a chance meeting, and you would have to be an insider to understand this, of all places, at a fine arts gathering, no one's going to get that, but like three of us, all right? Like talk about one of the most unlikely places, right, for eternity to collide. And God bless them. The Bible talks about the seed of Abraham, that today, Caitlin not only has one baby inside of her, but God gave the multiplication factor and now has two babies inside of her. And can I tell you the generations that are being grown inside of Caitlin right now that is going to have such a greater impact in the generations to come from what God did in these two? Yet can you see the multiplication of what's going to take place five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years as now? As much as God changed their lives, can you not believe that the generation that is coming out of them is going to have an advantage that only heaven can provide? And if he can do it for them, can I tell you, he can do it in and through you today as well. Why? Because God just doesn't add. God multiplies his grace upon those who allow the seed of the gospel to flow inside of them. But I want to challenge us this morning about the power of the drifts. Without being so desirous that if you're just going to kind of ride in neutral, you see that we have a spiritual enemy that is wanting to kill the seed of the gospel inside of you. When Debbie and I lived in Harrisburg before coming back to Erie, most 
people in that region would vacation down on the Delaware or the Maryland shore. And there would be some of those summers that we would get away and we'd have our kids with us. And, and Debbie doesn't necessarily like the beach per se, doesn't like the sand and the sweat and the heat and the people and all those kind of things and doesn't like the ocean water. And so we would kind of set up our stuff and she'd get the blanket and get all that stuff and I would take the kids and we would get ready to jump into the water and I would tell her, I'm like, hey, make sure you stay right here. We're gonna be gone for like 45 minutes or an hour. You know, Jocelyn, Jimmy, we're just gonna, like, we're just gonna go and just kind of enjoy the water. That's not your thing, but but we're going to go do that. And invariably, we'd be gone for an hour, and I would come out of the water with the kids, and Debbie would be gone. I figured, that's it, man. She packed up. She's back at the car. She's like, what in the world? And I'm like, I can't believe she did that. I told her, don't leave. Like, don't abandon us. And so we just, like, like, especially the first couple of times, you're just like kind of walking the beach. I've got like a, you know, an eight-year-old and a three-year-old, and we're just kind of bumbling our way across the, the beach, like, what in the world? Like, how am I going to get out of here? And all of a sudden, I would kind of see a little hand waving, and I would start to hear the slightest sound of my, my name being called. And I'd look, and like a 100 yards up the beach is Debbie. And man, I, I am lit up. I am on fire now. I'm like, I can't believe, like, this was our spot. This is where we're supposed to be. She packs up everything, moves 100 yards up the beach, and reestablishes our position, right? Like, what in the world is that all about? And so, I mean, I'm, I'm like dragging these kids now, you know, like through the sand and the surf and whatever. And, you know, first we're like, why did you move? Like, why? And she would just look at me, what are you talking about? I didn't move. This is exactly where we set up the blanket. This is exactly where everything was. And guess what? And I hate to admit this. She was right. How many know you've had those experiences? You've been to the ocean, right? She didn't move, but what? We moved. Why? Because there's a constant current. There's a constant drift in the ocean. And where we thought we had walked in, we hadn't realized over those 45 minutes or an hour that the pull of the current so slowly, so effortlessly was just moving us down the beach. And we thought if we had walked straight out that we would be exactly where we started. But we were deceived. And I want you to know that that same principle is true in your spiritual journey as well as it is within mine. If you feel like you're just going to kind of play the game, if you're just going to go through the motions, if you think that Sunday morning is enough, you're going to be sadly distraught when you come out of the water to think that where you are is not where you have been. Hebrews chapter 2 says, we must pay careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. So I want to give you five things this morning. I'm going to flip the script on you, but I want to give you five specific steps to help you. Listen, if you're intent on drift, drifting from God today, if you're just intent on, hey, good is good enough, Pastor Jim, if you're intent to say, I'm, I'm good where I'm at, thanks, then can I just help you today? Then let me just help you how to wreck your life. Let me just help you today how to drift from God. Does that sound good? So first of all, 
you need to neglect your time with God. If you want to struggle with answering that question, was there a time in my life that I was more passionate for God than I am today? Let me just help you with that. Then you need to neglect your time with God. Psalm 63, 1, David said, as he was in the desert of Judah, he cried out, oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. Can I tell you, don't let that be you. Don't long for God anymore. Neglect him. Can I help you specifically? Sure. Don't seek him through his word. Listen, don't dare open up your Bible anymore. Just be done with that. Why? Because the Bible, it's sharp. It's living. It's active. It's going to pierce you. It's going to renew your mind. It's going to build a foundation. It's going to put a a root down in you that's going to build you to keep you from being shaken in this world. So listen, by all means, stop reading the word. Don't worship. Listen, come in late. Leave early if you can. Don't lose yourself in worship because when you meditate on God, there is something inside of our spirit that has to worship him, that has to be drawn to him. So I'm just telling you, man, just give up. Like, let just come in late, leave early. Can I tell you, like, don't get involved. Let me do everything. I mean, that's why you hired me, right? Like, that's why we have a pastor, to do everything for you. Reject that God wants to use you. Listen, don't serve by any means. Forget that. You got gifts, talents, abilities, things God's gifted. We just, like, keep those at home. And don't pray either. I mean, listen, if you start to pray, God's going to hear you and God's going to move on your behalf. And all of a sudden, that's going to start building faith inside of you. And all kinds of dangerous stuff is going to happen with that. Can I help you with another step? If you don't like your circumstances, then blame God. I mean, nobody would ever do this, but Proverbs chapter 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. <laughs> I mean, come on, how ridiculous is that? Am I right? I mean, listen, I'll give you a little. You can trust him a little, but listen, don't trust God with everything. That's going to stop you from wrecking your life. That's going to stop you from fulfilling God's plan and purpose in your life. If you're feeling con convicted, blame me. If you're feeling the pull of temptation, then blame the church because it's full of hypocrites anyway. Listen, don't buy into the stuff that says, listen, trials and tribulations, that's just going to build perseverance and character in your life. Listen, you don't need that. That's not what you want. Believe if you are a Christian that nothing should ever go wrong, and when it does, just blame God. Let me give you another one. I'd strongly encourage you to hang around people with bad influence. I mean, although the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that bad company corrupts good character, listen, that's exactly what you want. You don't want to come to be told what to do, have somebody give you the truth, someone to lay it out for you where you're going to have to wrestle with it. Listen, stop hanging around people that are putting their faith in Christ. Listen, that can be so annoying. Am I right? Listen, don't go to life group. And that's the last place you want to show up. They're just going to encourage you in the Lord. 
They're going to pray for you. They're going to speak blessing over your life. Like, why would you want that? Avoid that. Come up with excuses. It's been busy. I had to work late. I had all these kind of things. We'll be there next week. We'll, we'll be there next semester. It's just a busy season, Pastor. Yeah, that's what you want to do. That's the strategy. And listen, don't hang around anyone who loves you enough to confront you when you're wrong. Man, I hate when that happens. In fact, hang out with people who are slightly worse than you so you'll have the excuse that says, well, at least I'm not as bad as they are. And I thought some of you say, thank you, Pastor. This is what I've been longing for. Because this is where I've been. Oh, I can't raise my hand, but, but this has been me. Because I couldn't answer the question at the beginning. Because I used to be. But my life's on a drift right now. Listen, I would tell you as often as possible, give in to temptation. James chapter 1 says, but each of us are tempted by our own evil desires. We are dragged away, we are enticed. And when desire has conceived, it gives birth to what? gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. That's what we want. You want to drift from God until you can find yourself being spiritually empty. Listen, the enemy of your soul is going to tell you, no, 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 you're all good. The, The tank's on full. You're okay. Everybody does it. Everybody finds themselves here. Like, you're good. Just, just hang on. Just kind of, just Ride the wave. There's some of you that have told yourself for years, this is just the way I am, Pastor. I can't change. This is the cards I've been dealt. You've said, oh, it, it works for everybody else, Pastor. It just doesn't work for me. You get confronted with sin, and all we do is just kind of rename it, relabel it, so it can kind of go down a little bit easier. Ask the band to come and help me. Can I give you one more? If you're intent on wrecking your life, if you're intent on just riding the drift, riding the wave, can I give you one more? Might as well help you if that's really what has been going on, if that's where you've been living. Listen, you're in a place today that loves you so much that refuses to let you stay where you're at. We're okay with being uncomfortable. Because a lot of us are struggling with that question. Oh, there was a time. There was a time, Pastor. Now I used to come early and just kind of kneel and pray. Man, it was 9.45, but... Because I wanted God to show up in a big, big way. And I was hungry not only for me and my family, but, but for the people that are around me. Listen, you can blame COVID. You can blame being fearful, being scared, this, that, whatever. I mean, whatever, whatever it causes you to sleep at night. But I got to ask you today, were you more passionate at some part in your life than you are today? And I can ask you, what are you going to do about it today?
You see, the seed goes out. The gospel goes out, and it's a matter of what is the condition of my heart. I tell you lastly, then love the world more than you love God. Then just buy in. 1 John 2 says, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, then the love of the Father is not in him. Let me just kind of spell it out for you. All you have to do is fall more in love with the temporary pleasures of this world than what the Scripture promises you. And if you do, the Bible says that the love of God can't live inside of you. So lust after the things that are going to bring temporal pleasure in your life. Yeah, is prayer hard? Yeah, I've, I've, I've heard it forever. I just don't know how to pray. It's hard. Okay, then just, then just don't do it. Pastor, you know, I, I hear, you know, talking about fasting, talking about like, like pressing in, but, you know, I've got a condition. I've got, all right, fine. Now, I'd love to be in the Word, but like, I, like it's hard. Like, I don't read very well. Fine, then, then don't do it. But, man, I love, man, I love being out, hanging out. I love, I love this, I like going here, I like going there. Man, oh, man, all, all our friends, we, man, just kind of fill up the calendar, fill up the schedule. With all of that. So busy, so busy. Man, man, it's been a crazy, crazy summer. Believe that you are what you drive. Believe you're not going to be happy until you have the big house, the big yard. Go into debt. Enjoy. Borrow money to buy things you don't need to impress people that you don't even like. Listen, don't send anything ahead. Don't put your treasures into the kingdom. No, you keep them for yourself. You get offended when pastor talks about giving or tithing. Get angry. Get mad. Set your own schedule. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give whatever I want to give whenever I want to. Yeah, go ahead. Do that. That's, yep, your, your plan is. That's, that's what I would recommend. That's what I would suggest. Listen, if you want to wreck your life, then you follow your plan, you follow your pathway. But there's more today, church. There's more that God has for you and there's more that God has for us. Listen, I'd love for God to tell me, hey Jim, it's August, man. Like, like people are just in the chill mode, so why don't you just come up with something just soft and easy, let them smile, laugh a little bit, and make their way out, but how many know you came to the wrong church for that? You see, I don't say these things other than the fact that I love you to eternity. And I can tell you that God has been speaking this to me for the last several months to be ready for today. So can I ask you just one more time? Where has the seed fallen? today what has been the condition of your hearts has it become hardened listen I know we can all justify I know we can all be filled with excuses but let's just be honest is there some hurts is there some rocky grounds that you're just not letting God break up you know that life is going to keep coming at you 
and it's just kind of this repetitive thing like, yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start, I'm going to get involved, I'm going to get engaged, but, but then I'm going to go out there and she's going to be waiting for me again rather than saying, God, I need you to... I need you to get down to the roots of the issue. And I need healed. I need your holiness. I need your help. I need your anointing to break up that rocky ground in my heart. So the seed, the gospel that is being germinated today is going to grow. God, so you're not just going to add it to me, but you're going to multiply that growth. Have we allowed the weeds have we allowed the thorns that he who began a good work in me that I've allowed a lot of other stuff stuff I tend to think more about my stuff than I do about my relationship with God hello I spend more time with my stuff than I do with my Savior hello Listen, if you want to wreck your life, then you're going to keep believing those words. That's the message that you need to keep listening to. But you see, the power of the gospel, the power of the word going out today is that God wants to bring life to your soul today. God wants to fill you more today than you were last week, last month, last year. God wants to get you off of that perpetual merry-go-round that you ride and God wants to give you a breakthrough that's going to ignite the passion in your soul and make you different forevermore.